All right, thanks for being with us on this Friday. A group of advocates is calling on the B.C. government to make some changes that would allow people that are already on disability benefits or on welfare to have access to the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit and to be able to keep that benefit. Joining me to explain this a little bit more is Douglas King. He is the Executive Director with the Together Against Poverty Society. Douglas, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely, thank you. Uh, so walk us through, because uh, we've talked about this before. If you are getting the disability benefit or you're getting some other types of social assistance, you're allowed to work a certain amount, uh, but there's a, a, an equation that works there. So what is the issue that you see with people in that scenario that might also be applying for this benefit? Right, we call this the earning exemption for anyone who's on a provincial disability or income assistance benefits. And basically what it means is that uh, an individual, if they're on disability, for example, they can make up to $12,000 in a calendar year uh, and not have that money deducted from their monthly check from the ministry. Uh, The federal benefit that's been introduced now, of course, is meant to make up any lost income. And what we're seeing is is people who were on disability that were employed and have now lost that employment, uh, even if they are able to receive that federal uh, benefit. As it currently stands, the provincial ministry would just take that money back from them. And so what would have to happen to change that? What we need is a, a legislative change here. Uh, it can be done through the regulations as well, but basically we just need the focus uh, from the ministry to be on this, this sometimes forgotten group. Um, you know, as a society, we tend to, unfortunately, put people into one or two categories, either you're on disability or you're a worker. Um, the reality is there's, there's quite a lot of overlap. There are, there are a number of people who are on disability that are employed and, and are going to be um, hurting because they've lost that employment because of the COVID crisis. Uh, if the ministry is able to extend that earnings exemption to the federal benefits, uh, then that would give them the ability to enjoy that benefit the way that everyone else can. Uh, and given that we're dealing with this unprecedented situation right now, uh, the legislature even uh, calling it back, even calling back the federal government to get things done is is a, a very strange scenario. Uh, do, do you think it's even possible that uh, we would be able to make that legislative change in, in time to to stop that from being clawed back? Well, I think, thankfully, it, it doesn't require an, uh, an actual amendment to the Act itself. It can be done through what's called a, a regulation change. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily need to have uh, Parliament itself or legislature itself sitting to make that change. Uh, the bigger issue right now is, is just there's so much to do right now. Um, government is, is, you know, focusing on as much as they possibly can. But I think the reality is is that not everything is, is going to be addressed. Not everyone's situation is going to be addressed. And, and what we're trying to do here is just kind of raise the alarm because we have a group of people, some of the most vulnerable workers that we have in our province. Uh, and if we don't get this changed, then they could have some very hard times ahead. And just to clarify, so would it be somebody, so if we took somebody that was on the provincial disability benefit and somebody who's who can earn up to the $12,000 a year and not have the deductions from, from what they receive in benefits, if that person, say, was in a scenario where he or she lost the job, would they then, I mean, it's not a great scenario because it means you've lost your mm-hmm. income, but in that scenario, would they still then be able to keep whatever they got through the new Canada Emergency Response Benefit? Well, that's, that's ultimately the issue here. Um, a lot of people who are on disability and are working, um, they don't necessarily have full-time employment. Um, and actually, the system is kind of designed to, to maximize your benefits if you're on part-time employment. So what we're seeing is a lot of people who are on disability that are working don't qualify for EI in the typical sense. Uh, this, this new federal benefit, the CERB, was created to cover, you know, in part, those people, part-time workers, the self-employed, um, recognizing that everyone who's been impacted by this is not going to qualify for EI. 
the issue is not necessarily whether or not these workers could qualify for the CERB. If, if they have been employed and they've lost that employment for 14 days, uh, they would be able to qualify for it. The problem is that is under the legislation, uh, under the legislature, the benefits, once they're received, essentially have to be passed back on to the provincial government. So um, what we ultimately would have is a situation where the federal government is, is paying the provincial government and, and none of it is going to the worker. And you mentioned this, and there is so much changing and so much happening every single day. Is it possible that this could be done after the fact in that or does that money just automatically go to the provincial government? Uh, we do have a little bit of time to work with here, um, and we know that these federal benefits probably won't be arriving for at least a couple weeks now. So um, it is an urgent matter for sure, but uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be addressed right away. Uh, and we also you know, could see kind of an amnesty put on all exemptions for, for anyone who's on income assistance and disability. If there's a recognition from the provincial government that everybody should just be trying to get as much income as possible right now. Um, then, then people could kind of put that out of their minds. I think one of the most difficult things about this is, is how complicated it is, and we now have multiple layers of benefits on top of each other. Um, certainly in our office, we're seeing a lot of confusion and a lot of kind of desperation just for, for how to navigate these new systems. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're creating them on the fly, and, and no one's experienced the situation before. So um, there's no blame to be laid there, but... Um, I think part of what we're trying to do here is just uh, to get people to remember we have a very, very vulnerable group of people that's going to need some help navigating this crisis. Absolutely. How many people do you think would be in this scenario? Well, the vast majority of people who are on ministry benefits um, don't maximize the earnings exemption, even if they use a little bit. But we do know there's about 5% of workers who, who take the maximum of that earnings exemption. So those are the ones who really stand to, to suffer the most if this change is not made. Um, for some of them, it would basically cut their income significantly and put them in a very precarious position. Do you know how many British Columbians, though, we would be talking about there, though? Uh, I don't actually have an exact number on that. I think the ministry would probably know, um, as, as they have the ability to, to check that, and I think they are alive to their, their situation. Um, we do hope to communicate with the ministry as we go, uh, not only this, but a couple more policy changes that we think need to be made to protect people who are on welfare in this crisis. Uh, and our hope is that ultimately they will be able to to extend that protection. Uh, and you mentioned this or touched on this, and we've also been getting email and seeing uh, people as well uh, frustrated and I think a bit uh, having difficulty, like you said, navigating how to access these benefits, how to apply for them. Uh, is enough being done, do you think, to make to kind of streamline that? And I get, like you said, this is all being done on the fly. It's all brand new. Uh, mm-hmm. But is there enough support out there to help people know where they can access and what they can access? Um, absolutely not. And, and you know, this is a consequence of, of decades of the government downloading this responsibility to the charitable sector. Uh, we constantly rely on nonprofits like our organization and the other ones that we partnered with on this letter um, to be kind of the, the voice for these people and, and to translate that information for them. But our offices are struggling to, to function in this crisis just as much as anybody else is. Uh, our government offices have not been well designed, you know, to take on this this increase in caseload and also to to disseminate the information to people, and that's a real problem that we have, uh, and it's going to be a problem going forward, not just in this crisis. And, and our hope is that there's some lessons to be learned here. Uh, there's a greater responsibility that the government really has downloaded over the last two decades, and and our hope is that they might be willing to take it back after this. All right, we will leave it there. Douglas King, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Doug King is the executive director of the Together Against Poverty Society.
Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.